0: Why is this episode 50? Why is Brit Rock episode 50? Yeah. Because nobody planned this very well. Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly, truly outrageous, and it's truly British. In this episode.
1: It knows the queen mum and it regularly walks around eating bangers and mash.
0: So we know that Jeddah's voice actress is actually British, but I would love, love, love to hear from UK listeners or anybody more familiar with British dialects. Let us know about the voices in this episode. Because we suspect that the actress playing Jeddah is the only British actress in the production.
1: Especially when it comes to Jeddah's parents.
0: By the way, this is episode 50? This isn't our episode 50. I think we're on like 78. It's episode 50 of the cartoon. Anyway, let's go hang out in somebody's apartment. Where we're playing
1: darts by throwing darts at a gym poster.
0: Whose apartment is this? Jenna is throwing darts. She's talking about how she throws darts with the queen mum. Pizzazz pipes up with, you've played darts with the queen? No, the queen mum, as in the queen mother, as in the mother of the queen. Wait, who's the queen? The current queen is Queen Elizabeth II. Her dad is George VI. And her mom was also named Elizabeth, but she is not Elizabeth the anything because she was never the reigning monarch. She died in 2002. I need a chart. I can get you a chart. I don't understand any of this. Okay, hang on. We fought a war to get away from this. <laughs> hang on, I gotta find one that includes King George VI. Did you hear Brangelina split up? How about the Cubs game? It's been 108 years. I bet you got a lot of Royals with that. Oh my God, it's a big helpful chart. Thank you. Anyway, the pertinent part is the part that says how's Windsor 1917. They changed their name from Saxe Coburg because that was a German family, and they were at war with Germany at the time. So George V, his eldest son Edward, uh, actually quit so he could marry an American, which means that George VI got coronated, married Elizabeth, and they had a daughter who's named Elizabeth II, and another daughter who's Princess Margaret, who's dead now.
1: And then Elizabeth married Philip, and now she's queen, and she's been queen for over 50 years.
0: She'll be queen for a million years because she's an old lady and they never die. I hate this. I hate this. Listen, I didn't fight a war to get away from this. Ah, I'm too American for this crap. Someone go get me a cheeseburger. And an eagle. Listen, we gotta move on. So Roxy calls Jetta out and says, Jetta, you're so full of hot air, you must wear lead in your shoes to keep you from floating away. Which is a very elegant burn. It's pretty sick.
1: Good job, Roxy. We're pretty proud of you there.
0: Stormer just is like, well, hi, I'm in this episode too. Uh, My brother Craig is playing in London right now. You all remember Craig, the guy who threatened immense bodily harm on you and Eric if you weren't nice to me. Let's go to England or else. Pizazz says, yeah, let's go to England. Let's give Jetta a chance to show Roxy how wrong she is. And my brother was actually in the room at that point. He walked past and he stopped dead in his tracks. And he was like, wow, that's catty.
1: So we flash to Jetta's amazing parents, uh, who are a, a bald man and a lady with curlers, who are in the worst Cockney accent talking to each other.
0: They live in this crappy little apartment. They answer the phone by dropping all of their H's immediately. Hello! And then Jetta says, It's your little Sheila. And for a second, I got really confused and wonder if they were secretly Australian. Like, maybe? I don't know, but no, it turns out Jetta, Jetta, Jetta's name is actually Sheila. So I guess it's Sheila, Jetta, Jetta. So Sheila, Jetta,
1: Jetta uh, informs her family that she's coming back to England for the weekend, quote unquote. She basically needs her family to pretend that they're a noble house and blue blood somehow so that they can get
0: millions of dollars from Pizzazz. Because her father has billions. Billions! Did someone say billions? Jedda says, okay, well, if you don't help me pull this grift, Pizzazz will probably be really mad at me and kick me out of the misfits and I'll have to come live with you again. And her parents are like, oh no,
1: we'll help you, we'll help you, we'll meet you outside the airport with a roll, honey.
0: Meanwhile... At the Rock Third Cafe. Uh, all the holograms and Hugh Ridley? Sir Hugh Ridley, who looks like an 80s business hipster. This reporter who calls herself Cindy Tucker, who works with Beat Scene Magazine, introduces herself. I'm kind of sad it wasn't cool trash. I know. She's like, what's going on? Where are you at? What's the good news? She shoves her tape recorder right into their face. Jerick is like, oh, we're performing a benefit over in England at this club that Mr. Executive Hipster owns. And they're like, oh, is this one of those famine relief benefits that you're so famous for? And Executive Hipster's like, no, I'm just going to give it all to a friend of mine. Yeah, the Earl of Wessex, which is like nothing about that sentence sounds remotely charitable. Hey, you know who needs money? The English nobility. And then he seems to realize how stupid it was what just came out of his mouth. And he's like, I have to go. Goodbye. And he quickly gets up and, and leaves. So yeah, of course the holograms are headed to England. Why wouldn't they be? And uh, then we switch to the Wessex Downs.
1: Earlier, Jedda's parents, before they picked up the phone, were discussing what horse the husband should bet on. So they are there uh, screaming and shouting for their horse, the silver
0: something. And, uh, you know, what better to bring in the family fun than the eternal uncanny nightmare that is cartoon horses? But yeah, we see this guy in a suit and a mustache, therefore he must be important, yelling at his other horse to win, and his horse doesn't win. And you see him, like, dejected and surrounded by losing tickets. It's a sobering image for a cartoon about glam rock. Right? One of them is hanging out of his mouth because he tore it up with his teeth. What? Jetta's folks go collect a big win on Silver Blaze. Cravat Man lost. And then like this grown up Dickensian orphan who I guess is now a bookie comes in to collect his cut. Yeah, apparently this guy gave Jetta's parents a real good tip on this one horse. And I choose to believe that means that he snuck into the stable and jabbed all the other horses with tranquilizers. See, I figured he and a couple of dogs brought in a little girl that can talk to animals who told them that it's the grandchild He's birthday Oh, uh, that's right. All dogs go to heaven. We're doing this. So the bookie's like, hey, check out the Earl of Wessex over there. He has a huge estate, but he's almost gone completely broke due to a crippling gambling addiction for the kids. This is a children's cartoon. He can't stop gambling and going into debt. It's destroying his life. <laughs> Let's take advantage of this evil man. Jed's parents introduce themselves and they're like, by the way, we have this griff that we need to borrow your estate for and you can get some money. And he's like, yeah, okay, that sounds like a good idea. I was just not expecting them to just like upfront admit that this is what they were doing. I thought there was going to be some elaborate cover story. But no, it's like, hey, we're Connors and we want to borrow your mansion and there's some money in it for you.
1: And he's like, okay, I'm fine with this.
0: So we head to the helpfully labeled Gatwick Airport where they actually did get a Rolls Royce to pick up the misfits. Roxy's wearing her airplane veil. I really ought to adopt that so I can interact with people on the airplane as little as possible. It's a great idea. Plus, maybe they'll give you the uh, bereavement rate. Yeah, I'm in mourning because I had to ride an airplane for six hours. But uh, Stormer refuses to go to the estate because she wants to go see her brother. I love that Stormer is just like, ah, uh-uh, no way, I'm getting out of this plot-blind taxi! She can see the way the wind is blowing. Too bad she's gonna get into something arguably stupider. Also, the holograms arrive at the airport and Sir Hugh's like, let's go straight to the club. And jumps like, oh, of course we don't mind. It's only a 12-hour plane trip. This sounds totally fine. It's not like we're exhausted and covered in airplane gunk. No, we don't need showers. Let's just go to Glamrock. And now. For the grift. They show up at the front door and Jetta's parents open and they are very clearly not talking in posh accents, which on the one hand I feel should be a dead giveaway, but on the other hand, they're all Americans. They don't know any better.
1: You basically give us a Cockney accent, we're gonna nod and be like, wow, they're from England. They're so cool.
0: Oh my god, he said cheers. They introduce the real Earl as their butler and he like really objects to this. Like They didn't talk about this before they decided to con all these Americans. What was he going to be? Like their rich uncle or something? How did he think he was going to participate in this? So the, the misfits step in and Jetta takes aside her parents and lays down the plan. They're going to con possess into buying stuff around the house for 10 times what it's worth. And the Earl is like, get everything sold before 8pm tomorrow night. You think at first it might be like a creditor thing? No, it's even dumber. Because he goes into a side room where he already has goons waiting for him named Stoke and Phantom. He shouts out in the middle of the room, Have you located the real Earl of Wessex? How many fake earls are there? Earlception. This is our second England episode. And it's our second evil usurper episode. Is this the only story anyone knows how to tell in England? Yes. I love this. I love this. And I love that this is proof that these things are also high stakes, like, outside of the Renfair Death Pact. So, the goons tell him that, like, he's at a club in London and the Earl's like, go take care of him and come back before 8pm. We'll make sure the real Earl never returns to claim his title. There's only two songs in this episode, so I feel like Christy Marks made the executive decision to cut out another song to make room for as much nonsense as possible, and I for one applaud her.
1: I do too. Good job, Christy. This is why we love you, Christy Marks.
0: So we get to the Unicorn, which is the Executive Hipsters Club. I hate this club. It looks like a colonial British village pub from the outside. And inside, it's like 80s reimagining of 1950s hip hop bar. I don't know how that works. And we meet the local band, which is the Blue Bloods. So Jem's introduced to the front man, Mason Hawthorne, who has goofy suspenders, a long shirt under his shirt with rolled up sleeves, and he also has a horrific ponytail. It's like a mullet ponytail. Yeah, it's not good. And then we're introduced to the other members of the band who are completely inconsequential, except for... Craig. Yep, Craig deliberately elected not to tell Aja that he would be here because he figured it would be a nice surprise. I mean, to his credit, she is pretty happy to see him. And Mason's like, hey, we should all celebrate that too. Because also, I turn 21 tomorrow. And one of the other band members is like, and at the stroke of eight o'clock, Mason becomes... And then they get cut off. And I'm like, oh, here we go again.
1: No, don't tell them,
0: Mason says sharply. So let's set that aside in the auspicious date of eight o'clock. What could that possibly be? And let's head back to Wessex. Or everybody's sitting down to dinner. Jetta's parents are going all like Billy Mays on the silverware. Y'all never believe how good the silverware is! Solid silver all the way through and the plates are fine china! It just basically becomes the Truman Show here. And Possess is like, sure, I'll buy some fine china. I can use it as frisbee. She just frisbees a silver plate out the window. Later up in, I guess his name is Lord Trevor, the Earl's office, He calls up Stoke on this fancy rotary dial phone and then he shouts some more about finding and taking care of the real Earl of Wessex before eight o'clock. Stoke is in, like, a phone booth, so did the Earl of Trevor just call a phone booth or did Stoke call him? Oh my god, have they just been waiting there? And of course he's in a red phone booth, of course. And he just, like, shouts so loud that it echoes throughout the manor, Tomorrow before eight o'clock, the real Earl of Wessex must die. The real Earl, whom I am not. Eight o'clock! If you would like, I can give you that in military time. I mean, as far as most of the people in that house are concerned, he's not the Earl of Wessex, so... That's true. So the next day... The misfits head into the stables. There's a fox in a little kennel and Pizazz is immediately like, let's take all of these horses and kill a fox. Oh god, oh god, oh god, okay. For the record, fox hunting is horrifying. And also, like, they step into the stables and Roxy's like, this place smells like horses. And Jed is like, great job, Angela Lansbury. How'd you put that one together? And then they have a a song about a fox hunt. Which, according to the animators, fox hunting involves catching a fox with butterfly nets. I mean, would you prefer the alternative? Where it's torn apart by dogs and a bloody display of uh, decadence? No, I I think I'll stick with the butterfly net. Okay, cool. Let's also talk about their riding outfits, though. Because Pizzazz is in this incredible top hat with a plume. Where did she even get that? All these riding outfits are the most 80s thing ever and I am in love with them. Also, it turns out Jetta sucks at riding and gets dismounted from her horse almost immediately, but Roxy and Pizzazz are really good. Well, Pizazz, I can imagine, actually took riding lessons. Well, yeah, I mean, especially if her father literally went to see a man about a horse. But, like, where did Roxy pick this up? Also, there's, like, this Scooby-Doo sequence where they, like, chase the fox into the house and they're riding horses in the house and there's this hallway with all the doors and they're going in and out of various doors. Yeah, it's so great. Just like a legit hallway of doors chase scene. It's so good. The song is kind of forgettable. I don't really care about the song, but oh my God, the music video is just absurd. They hunt the fox around the shrubbery around the estate. Then they just go inside the house and then like just continue this fox and in inside the house until the fox survives at the very end by jumping on top of a moose head. And starts licking itself like a cat, which, admittedly, I'm not a biologist, but I'm pretty sure foxes don't do that. Honestly, this is going to be weird because I had assumed this was just, like, a wild fox, but it turns out later that this fox was domesticated, and that's not something that's actually easy to do from my understanding. It's not. God, I just looked at this stupid-ass chart and noticed that there's, like, what would now be a nine-year-old boy who is listed as a Viscount. I hate this. Anyway. They completely trashed the house. All the action in there was diegetic, which I love. And then Pizazz says, well, that was great. Bring me a sandwich. And instead of a sandwich, Trevor goes to the door, discovers some bill collectors, and he's like, No, no! Come back! Tomorrow! After 8pm! Like, that's not weird. The real Earl of Wissex will be here, and that will be me. Creditors don't just go away like that when you tell them to. They will camp out. Especially if he's been, like, this far into debt for this long. They should be impounding his roles. So back at the Unicorn Club, we're about to get the best scene in the whole episode. The holograms walk into the club, and Storm there and she's immediately like, oh, I should leave. She just says, oh dear, I was just leaving. It's like, no, Stormer, you can stay. And even Kimber's like, what's wrong? We're not gonna bite you. Don't play with my heart. Don't do that to me. And then, of course, as a background event, we see one of the Earl's goons plant a bomb in the drum set. So actually, yes, Stormer, you should leave. Everyone should leave. It's a legit... Time bomb that'll go off in five minutes. While this is happening, outside, Craig is like, Aja, I have something important to tell you. I've been keeping a secret and there's someone inside that you need to meet. It's a secret, but it's time to come clean. Craig, you're doing this on purpose. You have no one to blame but yourself. Oh, yeah. And Craig walks in with Aja, stands next to Stormer, puts his hand on her back and says, Aja, this is my secret. <laughs> Craig! Craig! You and Stormer? <laughs> uh by the way, while this whole scene is going to be happening here, I really like how this is set up because we keep cutting back to that time bomb as it slowly ticks down. And then we keep having bits where like, everybody, come on, just go do this outside, please. And it really builds up tension well, along with all this dramatic tension. I really like how it's set up. Craig says, you know that I'm Craig Phillips. Well, this is Mary Phillips, my. Then I was just like, your wife and slaps him right across the face. You don't ever speak to me again! Don't you ever come near me again! And she runs out sobbing and the holograms run after her and the rest of the Blue Buds bands. It's like, this is stupid. Let's go outside and wait this out. And Kimber rushes up to Craig and is like, Craig, how could you do this? You didn't tell Aja you had a wife? Stormer's like, we're not married. I'm his sister. Have you not noticed? We look exactly alike. I feel at that point Stormer should turn to Craig and say, Why are you so dramatic? Why are you like this? You could have just said off the bat that we were brother and sister, but no, you had to have this whole build up. This is my secret, my sister, my secret sister, there. You can get your whole little dramatic thing and just say, this is my sister. Bam, right there, done. You're the worst, Craig. God, Craig, get it together. Kimber's like, oh no, I need to tell Aja and leaves. And Mason, who's still in here, is like, Craig, go talk to Aja. And Craig reacts like a baby. No, she overreacted. She can apologize to me. Craig, you did this on purpose. And no one said anything about apologizing, Craig. You just need to go clear up this musical Broadway level stupid misunderstanding. It's a pointless contrivance, Craig. You suck, Craig. Outside, Kimber is like, Aja, they're siblings, not spouses. Let's just clear this up right now. And then Aja immediately like, oh, I'm so horrible. I need to go back into and apologize to him. Like everyone needs to calm down. And Mesa's like, oh my God, I'll do it. And then Stormer's like, Craig the worst. Why are you like this? Go outside. So they head for the door, and that's when the bomb goes off. As Aj is like, I have to go apologize to Craig. BOOM! And that's our commercial break! I love this episode. Oh my gosh! This is gem at its finest. Oh my gosh! Intense, overdramatic assumptions. Misunderstandings. Secret earls, Memento Mori. Oh, this episode's so good. We come back from the commercial break and everyone rushes into the club to rescue Craig and Stormer before the firemen have even showed up. This is a terrible idea. Like, the building is completely unstable, so they're like, we have to go get them now. Stormer's conscious, but she's twisted her leg and Craig's under some rubble and they all get everybody out before the whole building just collapses. Yeah, they all get together to, like, get Craig out from under this enormous eye beam that's fallen on him, like- Honey, he's dead. He's dead. He's so dead. He doesn't even look like he needs to go to the hospital afterwards. He's not even, like, dusty. Is he some kind of superhuman? I mean, I'm pretty sure they exist in this universe and Pizzazz is one of them. Also, magic's real. Is he, like, white, blue hair, dorky... Luke Cage? Is that his deal? That's the worst thing you've ever said. Yay! I'm getting that on a plaque. Mason is like, oh, this is all my fault. And then he's like, so I have an evil Uncle Rothbart. He doesn't want me to turn 21. And by that, I mean, he's been trying to kill me for years, probably. He doesn't even say, I'm the Earl of Wissex. He just says, my uncle's been trying to kill me. The answer is in Wissex and that's where I'm going. And how hard is it to just say, I'm an Earl? It's three syllables. My favorite part is that he runs off and then Sir Hugh, the business hipster, is like, I'm coming too. And they just, they run. Do they just run to Wissex? I mean, that would explain why it takes so long. And then Jem is like, "Shana, you stay with Craig and Asha for some reason. And then she says, come on, Kimber. And then Kimber and Raya both go because Rhea's like, guys, hi. I'm here too. Fifth hologram. Hello? I guess I'm going with you guys. So team pink hair is going to save the day. And I was just like, oh, Craig, forgive me for being a complete idiot. And they're like, yeah, this all is pretty stupid. Let's just make out. So back in Wessex, where the answers are, Pizazz has bought like half of the house at this point. And now they just want her to buy the estate. She gets the title. She gets to be Lady Wessex. Hang on, I gotta look up what the female equivalent of an earl is. Oh, they're never developed a feminine form of earl. Countess is used as the equivalent feminine title. So they're telling her that if she buys the estate, she'll be Countess of Wessex, I guess. Why did they never bother to make a female version? Historical misogyny, probably. But a count is completely different from an earl. Why are they both countesses? I hate this. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I hate this. I hate this. And I hate this nine-year-old Viscount. You're going to go start a fight with the nine-year-old Viscount, aren't you? I'm going to find his Twitter account. He's going to be talking about Legos and I'll be like, why are you a Viscount? Nuts to your Viscount status. Also, you're right. That Lego is really cool. So Pizazz is like, yeah, okay, I could be a countess, I guess, even though I really should be some other thing that's not the same thing as a female count, but okay. And so as she starts to sign the documentation as Pizazz, by the way... Suddenly, they didn't notice Jem, Mason, and Sir Hugh entering the room and posing. And it turns out that the fox is named Ulysses and responds to verbal commands to steal paperwork. This is a really well-trained fox. Oh my god. It like jumps down from the grandfather clock, snatches the papers out of Pizazz's hands, and then jumps into Mason's arms. And then the clock strikes the dramatic hour of eight o'clock. Why eight o'clock and not midnight? Was he born precisely at eight o'clock or something? Are we being really specific about this? Are we just taking into account that everyone should logically be going Betty bys at eight o'clock? Like, are we going by a children's bedtime as to when the day is over? Because it seems like it should be midnight, right? Like, these characters almost died rushing into a burning building, but God forbid they stay up till midnight. And Mason is like, it is eight o'clock. I claim my title as the real Earl of Wessex. Spoilers, it was him all along. He was the real Earl. It's eight o'clock. All is revealed. Who would have guessed? So Jetta and her parents and the holograms and the evil Uncle Rothbart and the Mooks, they just all run out. They're only able to catch like the Earl and his two stooges. And the others get away, I guess? I guess. Jem remembers that she has frickin' holograms and is like, Synergy, I need a pack of hounds to bring these mongrels to heal. That's a lot of loaded language. Yeah. Referring to commoners as mongrels. Synergy is just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I heard hounds, so how about some pound puppies? So she makes, uh, surprisingly not monstrous dogs, and then those three are arrested. I feel like Synergy should have made the black dog or something. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! The hounds of the Baskervilles. Like Maudie Doo or the Hound of Ulster or something. That would have been good.
1: But then again, honestly, I'm kind of pleased that, like, Synergy normally makes horrifying things, and this time she's just like, oh, 99% of the images on Google if I search dog are happy. Half- happy
0: dogs by search 80 synergy google i made google and i filled it with dogs so as everybody gets loaded into the back of a police truck mason's like my evil uncle Rothbart had control of the estate until i turned 21 we Figure that out. We figured that out a while ago. Also, Jem, I have a huge crush on you and I want you to like me for me and not be intimidated by a title. Is Mason supposed to be Jem's love interest for the episode? Did like she and Rio have a fight off screen? I think this is just when we just have another character that likes Jim, I mean, it's not like she really gives any indication that, like, she's interested in dating him. I don't think they ever even flirt. Yeah, but the music video has them practically married. Oh, practically nothing. But we'll get to that. They were like, well, the benefit concert was going to go to paying off all my uncle's debts from his crippling gambling addiction. Teehee. But I guess the bar was destroyed, so we can't have that now. And Jim's like, well, let's have the benefit concert anyway, right here and Wessex! Because, you know, all the people who could theoretically attend a benefit concert at a pub in London can totally ship themselves out to the middle of nowhere to attend a concert in a field. Yeah, easy. They also find, like, Mr. and Mrs. Jetta and the misfits hiding in the stables. And Jem's like, well, who's going to be responsible for the damages? And then they all point fingers. Including Jetta's dad pointing fingers at Jetta, which is great. And it's like, her, 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 er, im, him, her, im. Her, Daddy, Dr. Scott, Rocky, Bullwinkle. And then the benefit arrives and we have a Gem of the Hologram song. that's actually really cute as far as the music goes called Between Me and You, and this is the first time we've heard it. And it's all like fantasy medieval imagery, complete with like a Peter Pan sparkly flying sequence around Big Ben. Yeah, I guess Peter Pan happens now. And yeah, Mason has a huge crush on Jem and imagines them being married and holding hands and flying around together. And being king and queen of (sighs) something. Although this music video had like a really good budget. Yeah, way better than the rest of the episode. Everyone's eyes were kind of wibbly. So after the song, we get our denouement. And Jem and Business Hipster and Mason are like, yay, we can repair the estate and paid off the creditor and rebuild the Unicorn Club. Did he not insure his building at all? I guess not? Or maybe it wasn't insured for acts of terrorism in an attempt to kill the English nobility. Which you'd think would be just built into it at this point in England. And then also, it turns out the misfits are paying for everything by working as maids to clean up the concert. Anyway, Jetta goes on and on about how she's actually the secret twin sister of the Earl of Wessex, and he's ostracizing her to keep her from claiming her title. But as is just like, Jetta, shut up! and slams a fully plate helmet over her face. And that's it. That's our episode. You know, I can't understand why this was episode 50, but what a wild ride. What an episode this was. Annie, I've got some great news for you. What? You know that eight-year-old Viscount? What about him? He has a lake in Manitoba named after him. Why does he have a lake in Manitoba named after him? Well, his dad visited Manitoba and the lieutenant governor of Manitoba decided that in honor of this, he was going to name the lake after him. The lake probably had a name that was closer to the one that the natives gave it beforehand probably, didn't it? Oh, definitely. I definitely have a nemesis now. This has been episode 50 and next time we'll get what probably would have made more sense to be the 50th episode, which is Out of the Past, which is our backstory episode where we actually learn about these characters in some regard. Yeah, it turns out they have like histories and stuff. We'll get to that. That's going to be fun. And we'll do that when I'm not broken over now suddenly having a nine year old nemesis. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter and Tumblr. We are at The Gem Jam just about everywhere except for Twitter, where we are at Gem Jam Cast. If you like what we do and you want to support us, a like, rating, review, subscribe, comments, anywhere you find our podcast is always super helpful. Helps us get discovered more, especially on iTunes. And we like hearing nice things about ourselves and our nine year old nemeses. Don't say nice things about Annie's nine-year-old nemesis. If you have some money sitting around and you want to fuel my revenge schemes towards my new nine-year-old nemesis, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash the gem jam for a dollar a month, as well as some other tiers. You can get some cool stuff and uh, you can help support us to do other projects such as our other podcast, I Will Fight You, which just came out with its Halloween episode and you'll soon get a Christmas episode as well about the Swan Princess Christmas special, which is very, very unfortunate. real. It's 3D animated, not high budget. So until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. I'm Mech. And this has been the Gem Jam, where we remind you that in the end, the outrageousness you take is equal to the outrageousness you make.